Our New Testament lesson is from Galatians chapter 5, beginning with the first verse. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become enslaved to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? From cowardice that dares not face new truth, from laziness content with half-truth, from arrogance that thinks it knows all truth, good Lord, deliver us. Amen. <coughs> These last few weeks we have been looking together uh, at passages of scripture that speak of vines and vineyards. It's one of the most prevalent images in the Bible to think about what it means to be the people of God. We're like a vineyard God, the vineyard owner. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And the recurring theme in all of that is to be a vine and a vineyard that bears fruit. What does fruitfulness look like? God wants, God hopes that we will be those who bear fruit. And so I just want to ask you, like, what, is it, what does that mean? Jennifer kind of asked, like, literally, are we supposed to grow fruits and vegetables? But what does fruitfulness really look like? The passage this morning is so incredible. Uh, Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And, Paul says, there is no law against such things. Here's the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases Paul's words in the message. God brings gifts into our lives 
much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that the basic that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our own way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. A great New Testament scholar, Ben Witherington, once said that if you want to know God's will, people are always asking, how do I know God's will? His answer was, if you want to know God's will, read Galatians 5. This is what God wants, what God wants and hopes for, for you, for me, for our communities, the fruits of the Spirit. I have a confession to make, and I don't know if you can relate to what I'm about to confess to or not, but I tend to hear Paul's list, and I really, it's almost the same way I go through uh, the produce section at the Harris Teeter. I hear Paul's list, and I'm kind of walking along thinking, Oh, I wonder which ones of these do I need right now? And how do I go about getting them? Right? Is it, can you relate to this at all? Right? You ever done that? You're kind of listening and you're thinking about like joy. Yeah, I'm not, I kind of could use some joy this week. Or peace. I've been kind of frenetic in my life and peace sounds pretty good. I need that. Or patience. Uh, Jennifer said she's got patience under control. I need patience. Um, or self-control. Jeez, don't we all need more of that? Uh, She mentioned it. I heard someone say to me once, they said, you don't get to pick which fruits of the Spirit you get because God wants to give them all to you. Now, when this person said that, I would tell you and confess to you, yet another confession, that when they said that, it kind of weighed me down because I started thinking, oh my goodness, like this is it's like a to-do list. Like I got to do all this. God wants all of this from me. All of this at once. If you hear Paul's words this morning and you feel like kind of slumping down in your pew just a little bit, uh, that's okay. It's a sign, I think, of how formed and shaped we really are by the modern world. Because the be-all and the end-all of the modern world is Productivity. We love to-do lists and assignments, like checking off the boxes. I've kind of gotten into to-do lists lately. I'm not really a to-do list kind of person. You're like, we know. We've known you for eight years. Anyway, um, somebody laughed. Okay. But I've gotten into to-do lists, and like, um, here's what I've discovered is really fun to do. There are always things that I do and accomplish that weren't on my to-do list. So I just write them down after I do them and check off the box. And I feel pretty good, right? Like, look at all the stuff I heard, right? Okay, no. (laughs) To-do lists. Productivity, you've got to check the boxes, get things done. Sociologist Max Weber observes that the most significant sin in the Protestant ethic is the sin of wasting time. The one thing you can't do is waste time. Think about it. We've just been through this global pandemic. And what was the thing everybody was all keen to do? It was like, let's make the most of this unusual time that we've been given. Let's make the most of the time. So I'm on Facebook and I see all my friends and 
man, they made the most of the time. I saw some of them took on huge, like, home renovation projects. Others learned a, a second language. And I'd confess to you that there were days where I looked at that and thought, man, I'm doing good just to get my kids out of their pajamas before the computer to do virtual school. Like, see, nobody wants to laugh with me at that. I think it's because there's this nervous sense that, like, nobody wants to ever admit we've wasted time. We've got to be productive. You've got to check the boxes off, don't you? I wonder if there's a difference between productivity and fruitfulness. Is there a difference between productivity and fruitfulness? Which is really a way of asking, what is really worthwhile? What is it at the end of the day that makes for a really good life? Paul in the reading says there are works of the flesh, but there are fruits of the Spirit. We tend to hear Paul's list, and it's so beautiful, such a beautiful, eloquent thing, and we imagine that these are things that we can work for, like that Paul is literally giving us a to-do list, like love, check, joy, check, peace, check. Our productivity mindsets imagines these things to be achievements born out of our goals and strategy sessions and techniques. There are plenty of people. You can go to the bookstore this afternoon and buy a book called 10 Easy Steps to a Joy-Filled Life. There are apps on your phone. If you get bored with the sermon, you could download it right now, right? Um, see, nobody's laughing this morning. Come on. They didn't laugh at that at 8.30. Gosh. If I was going to preach it a third time, I'd probably leave that out. Um, anyway, there, there are apps you can download, and, and, and they'll help you, like, achieve these things. Like, there literally is an app called Self-Control. Here's the technique that'll help you accomplish these things, be more productive. But Paul says these things are fruits. They're gifts. They're gifts that grow out of relationship with God. The thing I've learned thinking about vines and vineyards, talk to some folks who own vineyards, work in vineyards. Many of you have talked to me about growing gardens, which has been really fun to learn. And the thing that I've picked up on is like, it just takes time. It takes a whole lot of time, a whole lot of commitment. A whole lot of time. Our productivity mindset is, is geared to like measure input and output. Like, what do you put in and what do you get out? And did you put enough in? And do you have enough to put in? Like, are you, are you, and you get sort of dehumanized in the process. Like, what if you're weak? What if you're weak? What if you're vulnerable? What if at this season in your life, you're just not very productive? I think about our friends from Holy Angels. The world might look at them and say, they're not terribly productive. Their output's not keeping up with the rest of the world. But my goodness, when you think about the list Paul gives us in Galatians 5, love, joy, they are so incredibly fruitful. 
I hear Paul's list and I think of so many of you. Maybe especially I think of some of our older members, the older members of our congregation. What is that about? It may be that our older members have so much to teach us because they have learned, they have been given the gift of time. Time to simply be. Time to be with God. Vineyards grow because of care and attentiveness and time. I was talking with a friend of mine this week. She is a new grandmother. She has a two-year-old grandson. And uh, she was telling me, she said, here's the difference between being a parent and a grandparent for me. And she said, when I had a two-year-old son, I would put him in the play sandbox after school and he'd play in the sandbox and I'd sit in the chair next to him with my laptop and do my work. Because I was convinced he was going to be two years old forever and I didn't really need to spend that time with him. She said, now I go to visit my two-year-old grandson and I put him in the sandbox and I get in the sandbox next to him. And we just play and laugh and we're together. I wonder if we do that with God. God, you just sit over here and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And you just sit there because we got all the time in the world. But maybe what God wants is for us to be attentive. For us to spend time with him. Productivity says that like all this stuff, it's got to be achieved. If you just take control, you can make it happen. Download the app, buy the book, you can make it happen. Paul says, no, these things are gifts. You have to let God work. Simply be, take the time to let God work. I come back to my question, like, which of these fruits do I need most? Do you need most right now? Like, what do I need and Paul says it in the reading this morning. He says, you've been given freedom in Christ, only don't use your freedom to be self-indulgent. And the very question I come to the scripture with is a kind of self-indulgent question. Which of these fruits do I need most? I wonder if that's sort of productivity. Productivity tells us that like the whole goal and objective is to get what you need your own possessions, your own achievements, your own accomplishments. Paul imagines these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He imagines them to be gifts, not for our own personal use, but for the building up of community. Specifically, he speaks of a community. This is amazing, y'all. He speaks of a community that has become enslaved to one another in love. Like, I can't get away from you because I love you that much. And I will serve you. I will use my gifts to build you and this community up because I am bound to you in love. He talks about works of the flesh. And go back and read the list. The things that he speaks about are all things that divide and separate and destroy relationships. Here's a pretty good rule of thumb. 
It'd be good for us to remember at this time in the life of our denomination, the United Methodist Church, anytime somebody tells you they are led by the Holy Spirit, but they are speaking words of envy and competition and jealousy that lead to division, we better stop and ask ourselves, hmm, could that really be the Holy Spirit? Because Paul says, the Holy Spirit never divides. The Holy Spirit always builds up. The Holy Spirit always draws us together. It may be that we can't have all these fruits blossoming in our life at the same time. But in community, we surely can. And we learn from one another and we sustain one another. I have a good friend, a colleague in ministry who has come to me at various times in our life together and he says to me, George, I'm really struggling in my prayer life right now. My faith is not what it should be and I need you to pray for me. I'm gonna count on your prayers and the prayers of the church to get me through this time. And maybe we do that for one another. Jennifer, maybe she, she is a lot more patient than I am. And like I can learn from her. We can learn from each other. You guys teach me about love. I know so much more about generosity, having been the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Belmont for the last eight or so years. I know so much more about what faithfulness looks like. I went to see Martha Taylor this week. She's been in the hospital. And um, the last few years have not been easy for Martha. And I can't imagine what these struggles have been like, but we sat there for a good bit on uh, Wednesday of this week, and, and she started talking about her faith, and it was like we had church, you know, like she just has this faith, even through all that she's been through, and I felt so blessed to, to be there to receive that gift the fruits that God is still blossoming in her life. See, the fruits of the Spirit aren't things you accomplish. They aren't personal productivity goals for advancement or self-indulgence. They are gifts God gives to build up the community, a community enslaved to one another by love. Last thing I would just say on this question of productivity and fruitfulness is this, and that is that our productivity is finite. At some point, our bodies, our minds give out. We can only achieve and accomplish so much. But fruitfulness, friends, fruitfulness can leave an eternal legacy. Here's the way Henry Nouwen, a great spiritual writer, put it. He said, our death may be the end of our success, our productivity, our fame, or our importance among people, but it is not the end of our fruitfulness. The opposite is true. The fruitfulness of our lives shows itself in its fullness only after we have died. We ourselves seldom see or experience our fruitfulness. Often we remain too preoccupied with our accomplishments and have no eye for the fruitfulness of what we live. But the beauty of life is that it bears fruit long after life itself has come to an end. Friends, I think about this sanctuary. I think about 
those who built it. I think about the names on the plaques in the hallway from the old church. Those who gave to the building and sustaining of this community of faith. I think about this new building that we're hoping to open pretty soon. And the generosity, your fruitfulness that has made it possible. Right, A fruitfulness and a faithfulness that has outlived those who built it and that will outlive those of us who have renovated and restored and kept it. It will outlive us. Fruitfulness is an eternal legacy. My dad had a sermon that he used to preach for many years. It had three points. That used to be the way you'd preach sermons, three points in a poem. And um, the three points of that sermon, it's kind of funny. I was remembering it this week. Uh, He went through those three points. One of the last things I really heard him say to me that I could understand before he died, and those three points of that sermon, that which pleases is but for the moment. That which troubles is but for the moment, but that which is important is eternal. That which is important is eternal. Paul put it this way. He said, there's no limit on these things. There's no law against them. There's no limit. God will give them freely, abundantly to us all. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Can I ask you this morning, do you want to live a life that is fruitful? Or do you want to live a life that is productive? Do you want to live a life that's all about you, what you can control, what you can achieve, what you can accomplish for yourself? That might be the way we define freedom, like freedom is each one of us being in control to decide for ourselves what we want to do and doing it and accomplishing for us. Paul says, don't lose your freedom to be slaves again. Don't use your freedom to be slaves to your own productivity and miss out. God has so much more to give. God has so many gifts, gifts without limit, gifts for others that will last forever. I remember sitting in the first church that I served with a gentleman who was on the verge of dying in the last hours of his life. And we sat there together and he said to me, Pastor, I have had so much love. And I looked back at him and I said, Ed, you have had so much love. There are so many people who love you right now. And so many people who are grateful that you've been a part of their life. And he said, no, that's not what I mean. I mean there are so many people I have loved. I have so much gratitude to God who has enabled me to give so much love away. God has so much to give. Gifts without limits. Gifts for others. Gifts 
that will last forever.